right, guys. So thanks for uh, tuning in again today to the Docs Sportcast. Uh, so again, for those of you who don't know, uh, the Docs stands for Dachshund. That's the two-year-old Dachshund on the cover art of this podcast. Her name is Aurora, and she is a huge sports fan. She loves football Sunday, dressing up in her little referee outfit. And uh, yeah, we uh, would love to share more content with you guys, and we're really excited about uh, today's episode, a little bit more of a news update with some of the things going on out there in the sports world. A lot of these everybody knows about, they've heard about what's going on with these two topics, but uh, we figured we would you know, kind of share a little bit of our insights, maybe to give some hot takes on this and uh, you know, see what you guys think. So with that being said, let's uh, jump right into it here. So first off, obviously, Aaron Rodgers. Right, that's the first of our two topics we're really going to be talking about today. The whole Aaron Rodgers situation. So, for those of you who don't know, um, Aaron Rodgers has, um, you know, come out said he does not really want to play for the team anymore. He's he's done with Green Bay Packers at this point um, of his career, and uh, you know, it, it's there's speculations that he might leave and not do football anymore. He might go play Jeopardy. Uh, or might be the Jeopardy host because uh, he really enjoyed doing that. Uh, there's talks of him just you know holding out, um, you know de- demanding a trade, and um, obviously the team has continued to come out and say, "Hey, you're you're an MVP. We're not going to trade you." Um, and this is huge. This is probably one of the first times in the NFL that a person who won MVP literally the year before. Uh, is you know, has demanded that he doesn't want to play for that team anymore. It's it's really really crazy, um, but you know we're gonna kind of run through it for those of you who are not aware of the situation and kind of what's been going on with it. And honestly, I completely understand where he's coming from. I completely do. I am not a fan of holdouts in any way, shape, or form. I do not like them whatsoever. Aurora does not like them. Um, you know, you, you commit to a contract, you you signed a contract. You need to honor that commitment that you made. Um, and I'm always a big supporter of that. I understand where a lot of these athletes are coming from when it comes to holdouts. I really understand it. But they should not have the ability to hold out. They should not hold out. They should keep their honor and their word in signing a contract and, and do it for multiple reasons. And we'll talk about it again on, a, you know, on another podcast about these holdouts and things like that. I do want to kind of discuss a little bit more of that from our standpoint. I know a lot of people in the industry are big fans of it. They're like, oh, well, they, they deserve to get paid. They deserve their contract, you know, they, and blah, blah, blah. I, okay, I hear where you're coming from, but at the same time, there's a higher level of things that you have to be thinking about. And it's not just that player. It's not being just so self-focused on that one player. You have to think about a lot of other things outside of it. And we'll talk about that in another episode. But getting back on to the point of Aaron Rodgers discussing maybe holding out, wanting to trade, whatever. Here's the history of this, guys. Aaron Rodgers, first, you continue to not go get more talent for him to throw to. Okay, So legitimately throughout his career, you know, I'm thinking about more of the middle tier of his career there. He had Jordy Nelson as his premier uh, premier go-to wide receiver. He had Randall Cobb. And like those two were amazing together right i know they had some other people but we're going to focus on the main two because most teams they they really have two main wide receivers it's really hard for teams to get you know three staple wide receivers and keep them there and happy for a long time anyway so then jordy starts aging all right well let's get rid of jordy so they moved jordy right then they have randall cobb well they get Devontae adams 
right? So they, they uh, I believe, drafted Devontae Adams. And so um, now you got Randall Cobb, who's like the prime of his career at that point, and then Devontae Adams, who's an upcoming player, okay? And, yeah, of course, again, he had other players that he really liked as well, and he, he had players that he trusted in and stuff, and that makes a big difference. But those were the two premier players. Those were the two big names, right? Then you go from those two who... Oh, hashtag UK football with Randall Cobb there. Big UK fan right here. Bleed blue. So, anyway, you move on from Randall Cobb, and then you've got Devontae Adams. Who else do you have? Right? That's the big question. And, yeah, you've got Valdez Scantling. Yeah, you've got Alan Lazard. Okay. I get it. But those are not big names. Those are not big go-to guys. You know, so you had consistent, you know, two top wide receivers and then all of a sudden you only have one now and you're not looking to replace him. So Aaron obviously would want more talent. He's vocalized that before, how he wants some more wide receivers to throw to. He wants some better, bigger guys out there in the market. And during this time period, he's looking over at Mr. Tom Brady and he's seeing every time the Patriots need something or want something oh you know what I want an extra target I want somebody I I want more people to throw to you know what go get Antonio Brown for me boom Patriots snap their fingers they go get Antonio Brown right it's things like that you know Randy Moss like oh cool hey go get me Randy Moss okay boom went and got Randy Moss so it's, it's, again, showing that Tom Brady, who is a franchise NFL quarterback, one of the greatest of all times, similar to Aaron Rodgers in so many ways for the franchise, and he continued to get talent, but not just continued to get it, he controlled the ability to go get it, right? It was all based on him to go get those guys. And Aaron is seeing that, okay, well, you've been lucky with drafting these guys, and then all of a sudden when that luck runs out and you haven't drafted a guy for so long – and you haven't tried to get me any help. Now I've only got one person to throw to. I need help, and you're not going to get it for me. But these other teams are getting it for their other guys. So that's got to be frustrating, right? Second, outside of not drafting wide receiver talent, you go out last year in the draft, literally last year in the draft, and you draft Jordan Love, a quarterback. And don't sit there and tell me, you know, you wanted to pick this guy to motivate Aaron Rodgers because if that was the case, you would have been saying that from the get-go and you would have continued to been harping on that right now. You have not said that, which tells me you legitimately thought he would need to replace Aaron Rodgers. So Aaron Rodgers goes out and says, you know what, screw you guys. I'm going to show you that you made a mistake and you never should have took him. So he goes out and has an MVP year last year, right? He goes out and does things that you never expected him to do. I mean, just amazing. Best play of his career. And then, what happens? Third, you get to the postseason. You have an amazing team. And when it's fourth and, I can't remember what it was, fourth and seven, maybe fourth and ten, I don't remember. You kick the field goal to put your defense on the field. Right? I'm sorry, But when Tom Brady's down there and you have a chance to go ahead and win the game, 
you let him do it. Okay. The Atlanta Falcons have gotten a lot of criticism because in the playoffs and things like that with Matt Ryan, you know, they, they always let Matt Ryan go for it. Okay. Like even a team that hasn't won titles and stuff will stand by their quarterback in that sense. But you wanted to put everything on your defense. That's upsetting. And that is frustrating to a franchise quarterback. There are plenty of teams that should play that way and plenty of teams that need to play that way. And I get it 100%. Okay? You got teams like the Bears, 100%. Don't put it in your quarterback's hands. Let the defense play it out. I completely understand that. Baltimore Ravens, if you have a chance to, to let the defense hold for you, give them that chance. Lamar Jackson hasn't proven he can really, really win in the clutch. Yeah, he got one win last year. Okay, I get that. But... Aaron Rodgers. We're talking about Aaron Rodgers here. Okay, look, I'm going to do the Allen Iverson. We're talking about Aaron Rodgers. Okay? We're not talking about Rex Grossman. We're not talking about Rex Grossman. We're talking about Aaron Rodgers. Okay? We're not talking about a game. We're talking about practice. Right? So we're talking about Aaron Rodgers here. This is a guy who, MVP year, you put the ball in his hands. But no, you literally took the ball out of his hands. And you lost that game. And so he's going to sit there and be so frustrated because what could have happened if you had faith in him? You showed you didn't have faith in him in the draft. You showed you didn't try to support him and put a, a, a big cast of receivers around him. And then you legitimately showed you didn't have faith in him to win you the game. Absolutely awful. Is anyone really surprised that this is happening? Like, is it was anyone surprised that Aaron Rodgers is upset? I was shocked last year that, that he came in the season and just wanted to be lights out. I would have been pissed off if I was him going out and taking a quarterback in the draft. My God. The Packers have a history of not supporting their quarterbacks when they feel they get later in their career, a la Brett Favre. Same situation happened with him. And it's not good when you see this repetitiveness of teams making mistakes like this with their quarterbacks. Because then you got franchises who don't make this mistake. You know, Patriots, for example. Now, Tom Brady, yeah, he left the Patriots. But that was not because he wasn't happy there. That was not because they didn't support him there. That was not because of anything except for the fact that he wanted to change the scenery for his legacy to see what he could do, to see if he could do what Peyton Manning did when he went to Denver, to see if he could, you know, Go be in the South in the sunshine and not be up in the cold in Foxborough all the time. And get out from under Bill Belichick's shadow. That's it. Okay? I don't hate him for doing that. I respect him for doing that. I'm not a Tom Brady fan. But I love that he did that. Because it shows that he wanted to prove what he could do without Bill Belichick. And I appreciate that quite a bit. But, again, we're getting back off, getting off topic here. Getting back to it. Brett Favre, that wasn't the situation. Aaron Rodgers, that's not the situation here either. It's because they're upset because the franchise has given them all the reasons to be upset. So, you don't help him with talent. You don't consult him in any decision-making. What does that sound like? It sounds like what Deshaun Watson had issues with before this whole scandal came out. If you all remember, before all the scandals of everything going on with the women, and I don't know what's happened there. I don't know the truth. I'm not the investigator. I wasn't there. I haven't heard these people. I don't know anything that's going on. I hope the truth wills out one way or the other. And if Deshaun did not do any of these things, that he's found not guilty and he gets to play. Um, but if he did do these things, then I hope that they hit him with the book. Okay? One way or the other, truth needs to will out. That's what I want. 
But before all that happened, Deshaun wanted out of Houston as well, and it's for the same reasons as Aaron Rodgers. And Aaron Rodgers has more reasons than Deshaun Watson because, you know what, the Houston Texans didn't go out and try and draft his replacement. Okay? I mean, at least they stuck by him for that. But it is so upsetting because you've got teams. Look at the Chiefs. Look at the Chiefs. They're sitting there, and they're, they committed to Patrick Mahomes. They have destroyed their future. They have destroyed their future because, you know, if they don't win another two or three Super Bowls in the next, you know, four or five years, they're going to be screwed because they're not going to be able to keep playing all paying all their players because of the amount they're going to pay Patrick Mahomes. I mean, their, their team dynamic and the quality of their team is really going to diminish over time because they committed to him. And he's going to be a part of decision-making over time. He's going to be a part of the organization and as far as the GM and things like that. He's going to be a part of everything. They committed to him without having it proven. Aaron Rodgers is proving it time and time again. Aaron Rodgers is a guy who has shown that he deserves the respect to be able to be a part of all these things. And you don't consult him. You don't put him a part of decision-making. That's completely atrocious. That's awful. So why would anybody be surprised? They shouldn't. So, same thing happened, you know, Brett Favre, same thing happened with Deshaun Watson recently. You know, when you see those things, it's upsetting. Especially for a guy that's been such an amazing player. Like like Aaron Rodgers. He's going to be a Hall of Famer. How do you let that happen? Right? It's like taking a Ferrari and not washing it ever. Not ever taking it and get the oil changed. You're not taking care of it. The, more, the higher quality of the machine, the more you invest in it, the more you commit to it. You didn't commit to him. And it's so upsetting to see that now. So the big question is, could he move on? Aurora and I have consulted with each other. We personally think that he will play for Green Bay next year. Um, I, I think he is quite a bit a man of integrity. I, I think that he uh, does love the game. I, I, I don't think he doesn't love the game like a lot of people are trying to say right now. I do believe he loves the game. Um, maybe it's not, you know, everything in his whole life the way it is for some players, and there's nothing wrong with that. But I do think he'll play. I think he's a man of integrity. Um, I feel like he will honor his contract that he made. I mean, he'll honor the commitment there, um, and he'll figure out what he needs to do uh, because I don't think the Packers are going to trade him. I don't think they would, and I don't think they should. He's an MVP. He's an MVP player. No one is going to give you what you are going to ask for or what they should ask for to get him. So, whatever. If he doesn't play for the Packers, if he holds out, I will lose some respect for him. I've had a lot of respect for Aaron Rodgers in his career, and I will lose some respect for that. Uh, for him, I will lose some respect for him uh, if that happens. Um, I get his unhappiness. I really do, and I understand the frustration he has. But again... I'm I'm looking at it from the pure standpoint of hey you signed a contract you signed a commitment you know it's like when you get engaged or when you marry someone you make a commitment okay so you know it, that commitment's there it's a binding contract right and you're now wanting to pull out of this commitment that you made you know that that's where people have lawsuits and stuff with businesses you don't sign a contract and then go against it because then you get sued. Well, in the NFL, it's, it works really a lot, very differently, because the power is really in the players' hands throughout the whole process. But you know, I, I just, I, I understand his frustration, I understand his unhappiness, but I hope that he can honor his contract and continue to play, and purely because the standpoint of just for the health of football, it's good to have Aaron Rodgers on the field, and I think we all 
can't agree on that. So, yeah, and we'll talk more about holdouts, things like that in some future episodes, but we're going to move on to the second topic uh, for today's episode. Um, and this this will be a good segue into um, the next episode that we have uh, coming out on Monday, okay? Um, the Monday episode is really going to be talking a lot about college athletics. It's going to be talking about... Um, paying players or not paying players, things like that. And this is going to be kind of a preview to that based on the news. I do want to get into this a little bit and talk about what's going on with Hartford University. Okay. So Hartford University up in Hartford, Connecticut, they just went to the NCAA tournament for the first time in school's history, right? Just went to the NCAA basketball tournament for the first time ever. And they just announced that they are going to be going from Division One down to Division Three. So they will no longer be in the NCAA tournament. I mean, obviously, it takes a few years for them to get down to that level. So it's going to take a few years of transition. So they're still D1 right now. This will probably happen three, maybe four years from now. But the school making this, again, it's a great segue to our episode for Monday. Um... So stay tuned for that. You know, I'm, I'm excited for it, and I hope everybody gets a chance to listen to it. But if you read the article, it'll enlighten you quite a bit, okay? The article talks about how a consulting firm came in and consulted with the university on their athletics. The consulting firm told them they could save, you know, up to $9 million a year by going from Division One to Division Three. And here's the thing, guys. We're going to get into all the details in the next podcast, but these schools don't make all this money that you guys think. They, you know, Everybody talks about the NCAA makes all this money and all this stuff. The NCAA pumps money back into these schools to help fund their athletic programs. And even then, a school like Hartford still loses money okay? because they're literally moving them down divisions to save them $9 million a year. That's huge. That's a lot of money. okay? And the pressure... Like, one, here's the thing. I'll talk about it. Consulting firms, I absolutely hate consulting firms, all right? I get it from a standpoint of if it's a specialized firm, it completely understands what you're doing. But these consulting firms, it's not like it said, oh, this was a sports consulting firm. This was a college athletics consulting firm. No, this was a consulting firm just in general. And most of the time, these consulting firms come in and they come into an entertainment or a sports atmosphere and they don't know what they're talking about. They're going to talk about business. They're going to talk about numbers. They're going to talk about the marketing aspects and things like they're going to talk about what they know. Okay. But what they don't know is what's dangerous. And that's the value of, in this situation, the value of athletics, right? If a consulting firm, think about it this way, if a consulting firm comes into a theme park, right? And they've consulted with, you know, all these other businesses and things like that, and they come into a consulting firm, uh, they come into a theme park and they want to consult for them, there's a lot of things they're not going to think about. A lot of things they're not going to think about. You know, they're going to look at, you know, customer experience and things like that. They're going to look at a lot of those things that, yeah, it does correlate. There's a lot of things they're not going to get and they're not going to understand. And so if you, if you have to have a consulting firm come outside and help you, it needs to be a specialized consulting firm that understands what you're doing. Because otherwise, you need to consult yourself. You need to consult within yourself. So this tells me that the university and the people at the university have no idea about college athletics and they don't understand 
the pros and cons of it. They don't understand the function of it. They don't understand why to have it, what's good about it, what's bad about it. They don't understand that. And here's the thing. If you're a college president, if you're a CEO of a company, if you're an owner of a company or an organization, and there's an entire aspect of your business or your company or your school that you have no clue about, that you know nothing about, that you literally have to have somebody else come outside and help you understand how to do it or how it should be done or or what needs to happen to it? Should you be in that role? Should you own that company that has that division? Should you be a CEO of a company if you don't know an entire aspect of it? Should you be a president of a university if you don't know how major functions of it work? I don't know. That's a big question that I think a lot of people need to ask here. All right? Because... There are some ADs, there are some presidents of universities that that understand it differently, they get it differently, and they see the vision of what athletics does for the university. There are other ADs that don't, and they purely want to focus on academics. I'm not saying one way, one way or the other is right or wrong. There are some universities that athletics at D1 and things does not make sense, and I get that, okay? But when you're a school and you have this program already established, it's hard to get to a D1 level. It's hard to elevate yourself to get there and to be there and established, right? So many schools want to be D1, and you're already there. And the value of the pure marketing of it, okay? Here's the thing I guarantee the consulting verb did not look at. When the school went to the NCAA tournament this year, take a look at the national publicity that Hartford University got. Take a look at the media value. If I went to a media agency right now and I took all the data of how many times Hartford University was talked about, how much the logo was presented on ESPN, was on CBS, was on True TV, all the different channels, how many times Hartford University was brought up on a national scale? Take the media value from that. Take the evaluation from it and show the amount of value that you got from a marketing standpoint. I guarantee it's an amount of money that they will never, ever have a budget for over a five to ten year period of time. So they had national marketing publicity that they will never be able to replicate again because they went to the NCAA tournament. That is something that this consulting firm, I guarantee they didn't look at because that's not the, that's not the purpose of them. That's not the purpose of them to go there and look outside of different realms and look at these niche little things. It's to look at things from a general broad standpoint, from a business standpoint. And they're going to look at dollars and cents and expenses and things like that. And purely if you do that, you will miss things. And I think this is a huge miss. I mean, I, now I don't understand. I don't know what situation they're in. You know, there's been other schools that have left D1 um, in the past because of financial concerns and things like that. So if the school's getting run that badly and, and the school's not getting attendance and things like that, okay, I get it. But if you want a great marketing campaign, you will never be able to replicate budgetly. It's to have a D1 program and go to the NCAA tournament sometime within 10 years of being there. If you go once every 10 years, you're getting so much publicity and media and marketing, it pays itself off. So that's a huge thing here. But what I do want to say and I want to stress is that this consulting firm was brought in. All this stuff was happening. One, the pandemic probably made a difference. But second, all this pressure about possibly paying players at some point down the road. I know everybody wants to pressure the NCAA and say, hey, they need to pay their players and all this stuff. I get it. But that pressure, again, these colleges and the NCAA is not making all this money that everyone thinks that they're making. They're a nonprofit for a reason. 
And the fact of the matter is everybody is saying, oh, they're making all this money off my kid. They're making all this money off the athlete's endorsement. Look, the athletes are going and committing to that school that has the ability to provide these facilities, to provide the recruiting efforts, the locker rooms, the food, the meals, the travel, the, all that stuff. They provide all those things for these student athletes by the funding that the NCAA makes that they send down to these schools from D1, D2, and D3 level. So if you want to sit and say, oh, well, they need to pay all these kids, if you want to do it on top of that, well, guess what? That's more money that they're losing, and that's less money that the NCAA can now use to fund the smaller schools. So more scholarships are going to go away from smaller schools. More scholarships are going away from D3, D2 schools. Less kids are going to get to go to school for an education with their athletic ability and be able to play on a scholarship and that's a thing that you guys don't understand. You're going to hurt the system. You're going to break it. You're going to make it crumble. And the NCAA and the structure that's been made up of, which is amazing structure and organization, will be destroyed. So I think that a reason that this is happening, a reason that this consulting firm is brought in, a reason that the pressure about athletics for this university was there, a major part of this was probably because they were worried, well, what if we have to play the, pay the players at some point and we start losing more money? to athletics uh, okay we can't we can't afford to lose any more money than what we already are and that school probably really cracked down on it okay so you got to be careful what you ask for this could be a tip of the iceberg for pressure okay to the schools and if you keep the pressure on of hey we're going to pay the players at some point we need that to happen if you keep pressuring them and it looks like it's going to happen at some point a lot of these schools are going to make the same decision and you have a lot of student athletes, your kid that you're sitting there saying, oh, my kid needs to get paid. He's going to be a D1 athlete. He needs to get paid. Guess what? His school may not be a D1. There may not be a scholarship for him anymore. There may not be a chance for him to play D1 or even D2 anymore because the NCAA funding is going to go away if you get what you say you want for your student athlete, for your kid. Okay? You got to look at it from everybody. You got to look at it from a general standpoint. Okay? You got to look at it not just from your kid but every kid that has played and will play in NCAA and every experience they were given from it, that was because of the funds that the NCAA raises. And if you break the system, that goes away. So, anyway, universities lose money for college athletics. 100% they do. Like, some schools make money. It's very few, and I'll talk about it in the next podcast. But going down divisions require less sports, less expenses. Okay? Guess what? That's less student-athletes getting a chance to play. That's less sports at the school, and that's less of a good experience for these students now when they go and play because the travel's not going to be as nice. The hotels they stay in aren't going to be as nice. They're not going to get as many meals taken care of and covered for them. Okay, so they're going to have to pay for more food and things out of pocket. So you're hurting these kids at the smaller schools so much more just because you want your kid to get paid. Well, guess what? If your kid was not a D1 athlete, if he wasn't a top NBA prospect or NFL prospect or whatever, and this happened to him, you'd be furious, wouldn't you? So why don't you stop looking at it just from your kid's standpoint? Look at it from every student athlete's standpoint. And look at it from what's going to happen to the smaller schools, the smaller student athletes who just love the games, who just love the sports, and want to be able to play it while they're at school and be able to help take care of the finances of their school by being able to play for their school and represent them on the field or on the court. Okay, Those kids deserve to be able to have the same opportunities as D1 student, and that's what the NCAA provides. So be careful what you ask for, because if you get it, 
I don't know if you really understand the impact of what it's going to do and how it's going to break things. So, again, we're going to talk about that in the next podcast. It's going to be all about paying college athletics, uh, college athletes, and things like that. So please take a listen to that. It's going to be on Monday. Um, we look forward to hearing from you guys. But, yeah, with that, we will let you get back to your day. Um, you know, happy Mother's Day to everyone. Um, you know, really appreciate it. You know, I know my mom will probably be listening to this. So happy Mother's Day, Mom. And, uh yeah, we'll let you guys get back to your day. So uh, thank you. Look forward to the uh, podcast coming on Monday. Uh, please feel free to like, share, subscribe, send the content to some other people as well. And, uh, you know, reach out. We have our email, Facebook page. Um, so, yeah, looking forward to it. And we'll, you guys will hear from us again on Monday. All right. Thank you. Have a great one.